Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Hey, podcast world. Welcome to another edition of FNO InsureTech, your only podcast that you should listen to. If you listen to other podcasts, we're only a little bit hurt by that. It doesn't really hurt a lot, just a little. And so today, though, I want to start right off, right off by introducing our co-host today, because you're going to be surprised. We don't have Lee Boyd with us today. Lee opted out. Lee's out. Lee's out for this episode, and we're we're gonna see we're gonna see how our guest co-host does. And then we'll judge at the end if Lee's coming back or not. Okay. In fact, in fact, you know what we're gonna do? We're going to have an email poll. So email us <laughs> if you like the new co-host better or Lee Boyd better. I'm just leave it up to the people who matter. We have with us today Matt Petrovich. Did I say that right? Wow. Uh, Rob, it was perfect. I could not ask for better syntax. Really? It was fantastic. Because if yeah, you could see how Matt spells his last name, you would appreciate <laughs> that it's not it's not like Smith. <laughs> well, it's sort of a Smith, but yeah, no, it's it's a little complicated. It keeps you on your toes for sure. Welcome, welcome to being a, a co-host. This is a rare honor. I feel honored. And you mentioned Lee to be in Lee's shoes. It's a tough thing to accomplish. So I'm going to do my best. Well, you know what we call Lee? What's that? We call, we call him the smart Ooh. one. Well, I'll defer you on that, Rob. You will be the smart one. I will be your... I will no, no, that's... Uh, no, no. You have to You have to have the capability of being the smart one in order to be the smart one. And that's why you're here. We asked Matt to join us today. Lee's traveling. Matt came because Matt is an auto guy. Yay. Is that fair to yeah, say? Yeah, I think it's absolutely fair to say. I mean, it, it, he's he's much more than that. But uh, get, get, tell our audience who the heck are you, and why are you? What what's it mean that you're an auto guy? <laughs> I my claim experience absolutely is on the auto side, both on a, a carrier and and working here with Alacrity. So uh, over twenty years with auto uh, claims, East Coast, West Coast, and places in between. So yeah, very comfortable with auto auto guy. Cool. And the reason that we asked Matt in particular to be with us today, other than we love him, <laughs> Thanks, he's a great guy. We get to work together a lot here at Alacrity. Yeah. Matt is here because our guest, super special guest, two-timer, yeah, second time on, Mark Fredman, SVP Chief Strategy Officer from CCC, kind of the auto claims company if there is one, would you agree with yeah, that? Absolutely. True true leaders and pioneers and listening to Mark uh, and talking with Mark, um, you will see why they are. It's absolutely fantastic uh, to have him with us. Mark has been at CCC for nine years and is on the executive team that's leading them to results that are incredible, including providing services to 18 of the top 20 carriers and hundreds and hundreds of more through the industry. They are uh, the unquestionable leader in auto estimatics and kind of running the auto ecosystem, the auto repair ecosystem 
in our industry. And so to have him is a privilege and to have somebody who actually understands what auto is, because I'm a property guy, having Matt here is, is, is perfect. Well, thanks, Robin. The CCC, to your point, it's not just the carrier, it's the shop, it's the consumer. The CCC's the leader in all of those platform aspects for each one of those folks. It's fascinating to talk with Rob, or to talk with Mark. Sorry, Rob. It's my first day on the job. Yeah, clearly, <laughs> clearly. The ball, that's the ball you hear dropping. Man, Lee's going to love that part, isn't it? Uh-huh. Uh, he's feeling better right about now. But we, we're going to make you guys feel better right about now because we're going to quit talking and get into our second interview with Mark Fredman, Chief Strategy Officer at CCC. Hey, everybody. We are back with a two-timer, if you will. We have uh, one of our favorite episodes. One of our favorite episode guys is back with us today, who was with us so long ago. He was with us before we had video so that we could actually see each other. This is like the early days of podcasting. We have Mark Fredman, Senior Vice President and Chief Strategy Officer at CCC. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. It's great to be back. It's a total pleasure to have you. Um, And I meant it when I said that your original episode, which you did almost two years ago, was one of our favorites. And I didn't remember that, like I don't remember anything, until I re-listened to it. And I was like, wow, that's a good episode. (laughs) All credit to the interviewers, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. Let's be honest. (laughs) And the video will no doubt give us a big upgrade this time around. What else could it be but the interviewers? But uh, we, ever, anybody who listens to our podcast knows that modesty is one of our attributes. <laughs> but let's not get distracted with talking about my favorite topic, us. And let's jump into talking about you. So welcome back. You're still with CCC. I am. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been an exciting two years. By the way, congrats to you guys on the 200th episode. Thank I you. I think you're, Thank uh, you. You're giving the Simpsons a run for their money on uh, oh, uh, most, most episodes ever. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's been it's been an exciting ride. I think a lot's happened with us, but uh, a ton has been going on in the industry, as I, I know you guys are aware. Well, it's an honor to be able to uh, to be some part of the whole ecosystem of this industry, um, much like you are. I mean, you are with CCC. Uh, so even though we did this last time, why don't you take a minute and tell us? Because I think it's probably changed a little bit. What is CCC today and what are you doing there? Yeah, so CCC, we're the cloud platform for the PNC insurance economy. Uh, And so that is not just insurance companies, but repair facilities, part suppliers, auto manufacturers, lenders, um, salvage providers, everyone that has something to do with resolving everything that has to do with the life of a claim. And uh, we've been at that for a while. Uh, And so with that, we have been able to put together a really fantastic ecosystem around around that PNC insurance economy. We've got almost 35,000 companies uh, on the CCC cloud now. Uh, We process over $100 billion of commerce every year, which is insurance companies connecting to repair facilities, repair facilities connecting to parts suppliers, uh, all those types of things. And we're excited about, I think, where the industry is at this point in time. I think the the recognition by everyone that we work with, whether it's insurers, repair facilities, OEs, everyone recognizing that 
there has to be a very different way of doing business, not just because people want to be innovative. And that's, I think that's always been true, but just the acute pressures in particular that, I mean, really have accelerated probably the last couple of years since we talked. I think COVID, we were starting to see see those things, supply chain pressures and, and things like that. But I think we may have all anticipated those things abating a little bit, or maybe they would have plateaued. And we've actually seen a lot of those things get get much more pronounced. Um, so my role is is essentially uh, one thing, and and I always I always say this about my role. My role is the future. Uh, my role is to make sure that our customers are the winners of tomorrow, and to make sure that we're helping the industry to go into that future that we all envision confidently and uh, you know efficiently. What a cool job. So in other words, when something explodes or there's a big problem, you can say, I'm sorry, I'm not involved in today. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm just the guy who's, who's looking out across the horizon. Um, so. so how do you do that? How, how do you be the futurist? Well, you know, one thing I always tell people and, um, you know, first of all, I've been doing this for 25 years, so it, it probably seems maybe easy or familiar to me, but I, I do believe that most of the future is actually pretty easy to predict. I, I think when you actually ask people, what do you know to be true the next five years, the next 10 years? For the most part, people actually know what those things are. I think the harder thing is actually committing to that future that you know is inevitable. Um, and that's the thing I always talk about with people from a strategy perspective is focus on the inevitability, right? Because you don't want to be on the wrong side of inevitability, but if you if you can spot that inevitability, then then you really have a great place in terms of where you want to invest and where you want to focus. And when you look at companies over you know many decades, a lot of times companies do know what that inevitability is, but they don't they don't really go after it. I think that's the thing that I'm probably proudest in terms of what we do at CCC is we we really do innovate and invest in the places that that we say we're going to do. We actually, it's funny, I'm sure we're going to talk about what we've done on Estimate STP and the AI there. We had a, a very large customer a few years ago and we told them, hey, this is where the future is going. This is what we're going to do. And then we did it. And they told us, we didn't necessarily believe you. <laughs> you know, we didn't we didn't know that it was going to be possible. We didn't we didn't know you were really going to going to pull it off. Um, so I think that's that's the thing I try to focus on. I think the the seeing the future part is again it's pattern recognition, relatively easy to see that. But um, you know, again, how do you make sure that you're really aligning yourselves and building a system to take advantage of that from an innovation perspective? Can't that come into conflict though with where the business is today and those who might want to build a moat around where the business is today to protect it, to protect the revenue sources, et cetera. I mean, I'm sure that that's not always everybody's on the same side here and in in full agreement. Is that right? It can be. I mean, especially, I mean, people are, are creatures of, of habit, right? You've been doing something a particular way for a while. It, it's sort of natural to want to keep doing that. But I think I've always been a big believer that strategy is best when you do it outside in. It, you don't ever want to think about, here's what I do today. Here's what I'm going to do tomorrow. You want to think, where's the market going? And to be honest, the market wins. I mean, at, at the end of the day, you know, customers are going to vote with their wallets in terms of what they want to see and what they want to do. And it's, it's better to be inventing that future and leading towards that future uh, versus trying to make sure that you're too beholden to the ways that you may have done things in the past. 
And Mark, the, the challenge too, but really the fascination I've always had for the company CCC as a whole is not just the planning towards that future and building innovation and building strategies around that future to support the innovation, but really once there, I'll call it zigging when others zag. So it's not only zigging to the market, it's adapting to the marketplace to provide what they need with that innovation. Often you'll see innovation just kind of out there on a cloud. It doesn't fit. And so that's a fascinating piece. So it's a much more complex road than just, I think you're being a little, I'll say, not confident, but you are. Predicting the future is one thing, but also building that to match the market. Can you share on how you guys look at that? Yeah, definitely. I, you know, so I was I was a strategy consultant for many years before I came to CCC. So I've, I've worked in a lot of industries, a lot of companies, and when it comes to innovation, and, and even when it comes to AI, we'll talk about some of these things. I think people tend to focus on the wrong things. A lot of times, when you think about innovation, there's a almost monolithic focus on the idea. Right, this a specific yeah. concept that people are going to have, and honestly, if you went into most big companies, big insurance companies, and you peek behind the curtain at what they're trying to do in their strategy discussions, you're going to find a lot of pretty similar stuff. Right, people want to do okay. straight through process thing, they want to do digital this, yeah. you know, mobile that, self service AI, etc. So that's important, and you need to have a robust way of feeding in those ideas. And so we do a lot of things with customers. We have advisory councils, quarterly strategy reviews, all kinds of stuff to bring those funnels in. But the biggest thing, and I think what people don't spend enough time on, is thinking about an innovation system. You have to actually have a technology platform, a go-to-market platform, a internal customer enablement platform, delivery maintenance. You got to have all those things in place to make sure that when you have that idea, you have an on-ramp to actually getting it out into the market and then getting feedback on it so you can test, improve, and, and innovate on it. And so that's one of the things that I think we really try to focus on is there's the sort of exciting stuff that you see ab- above the water, right? But I Absolutely. think just, just as important, maybe more important, is that, that delivery system to make sure that you can do it consistently and at scale. Absolutely. How do you get a job like yours? I mean... Do they say looking for somebody who can think about these things? Uh, how, how do you get from degree in philosophy? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. To where to where we you had are to today? Ask that about Plato to CCC, we had to ask. So. Yeah, I was actually <laughs> going to say it, the Greeks. The Greeks came up with all the good ideas. We're just rehashing them. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I was well. I was a philosophy major in undergrad, and I I thought. I wanted to go into business, um, and there was a program at uh, a bank in Chicago that was looking for liberal arts majors, which was kind of unusual. And so that was how I got into into the business world. And then wow. I ended up going to the Boston Consulting Group for ten years after I was several years at the bank. And with CCC specifically, we had not had my role. We had not had a head of strategy, head of corporate development um, before I before I joined. So it was a new role, and I was recruited. Um, and I'll tell you a, a funny story because as we've been going, we went public and we've talked to investors and we're sort of, we've been sort of reintroducing the company in some ways the last couple of years. You know, I think we've just come a long way. I think, I think the, you know, the, the thing that's really amazing about CCC is we've never lost focus on our roots, which is providing the ability for our customers to perform. And so we've always, we've always had a big focus on that. Um, and I think over time, we've done, a, I think, a, a better job of articulating that 
uh, externally. And I think we're starting to see that really play out the last few years where, especially on the insurance side, big insurance companies, small insurance companies, every insurance company is trying to figure out how do I actually enable that digital transformation? Sometimes they say, well, I want to get to the cloud or I want to do more in AI. And I'll tell people, well, you know, you've been on the CCC cloud since 2003. Um, we, you know, we, we, we haven't really talked about it like that, but I think uh-huh. as we've been able to reintroduce those concepts to people, you're seeing more of a, a realization by insurance companies. Well, I don't have to go rip out all these systems. I don't have to make all these changes. I've got, I'm already on the CCC cloud. I've got thousands of my employees already in this thing every day using it. It's connected to all the ecosystem participants that I want to, don't want to do business with. It's running large-scale AI at massive scale. How can I extend what I've already got to go more into the future and to build more an innovation perspective? Uh, and so it's always helpful you know, to be able to talk about those things on, on venues like this, right? We want, we want people to understand the investments that you've already made. You can build on those without having to do, do a bunch of different stuff. I want to take a minute to talk about some of the big things that have occurred with CCC in the past couple of years since we spoke last one is the fact that you're a public company. Does that does the fact that you're a public company filter down to you and your work? It does. I mean, I, I spend a, a fair amount of time talking to public investors in terms of the, the business, how to think about the business and, and where we're going. I've been very pleasantly, I don't know that I'd say surprised, but I've, I've been uh, very happy with the fact that it has not been a distraction in any way. I mean, that's sort of the, the question sometimes is, you know, yeah. you're going to have to, you know, talk, talk more externally, you know, is, is it going to be a distraction? And I would say our, our CFO, our IR team, everybody has done just a phenomenal job creating a, just a steady drumbeat that just sort of happens behind the scenes, but we haven't changed anything in terms of our focus on innovation, uh, what we're trying to do in terms of, new products, uh, new markets. Um, actually, last year in 2022, we increased our overall engineering staff hours 20% year over year. Wow. So back to your, Matt, you mentioned the zigging while the others yeah. are zagging. You're seeing Absolutely. other tech companies that are, are pulling back. They're maybe not wanting to invest. And we're making sure that we actually are helping our customers at this moment. They really need us to, to lean in and do yeah. more from an innovation perspective, and whether that's for shops or insurers. So it, it really hasn't been, I think, anything but a, a positive. I mean, I do think it's been helpful in terms of just visibility for the business, visibility for the company. Uh, we, it's, it's been helpful in terms of maybe customer segments or ecosystem participants that weren't as aware of us before and how they could help our other customers. Uh, yeah. And so we've, we've, we've seen... I think a lot more momentum in terms of being able to hire top talent in AI and engineering, but also just getting the word out more about what we're doing to try to help the industry to push to that, that next future. Yeah, that's a really appreciate the, the 20% increase, just not just from the number, but speaks to what you said earlier, right? The, the behind the scenes, the framework, the foundation, building out for the next five years. So you're, you're, you trajectory it out. We're building now in a time when, Others simply are not doing that. On that, though, we've we've kind of touched on it. You've touched on it as well. AI and fascinated as that a whole. From a, I think Rob and and I've talked uh, through to the time we've worked together. It's a concept. It's an embedded concept. It's a used thing. So now we're at the point now of the marketplace. 
I'm an insurance carrier. I'm a provider. How do I use this thing? So we're at a point now in the growth cycle, I think, that we can really talk a little bit more educated on that about how we can quantify data, the customer experience, AI, repair times, part ordering, all this stuff, incredibly complex each one. So interesting to hear your kind of answer on that, Mark, from an AI perspective compared to 18 months ago. I'm sure it has to be like dramatically different. Oh, it, it definitely is. And I'll, I'll take it from a few different perspectives. So one is, to your point, just the sheer adoption has become much more prevalent, much more ubiquitous. Wow. So we, we announced recently that we've processed 14 million claims to date okay. using a deep learning, CCC deep learning solution. That's up 60% year over year. It's amazing. We've also seen a more than doubling of claims year over year that used four or more of our deep learning solutions. So that just gives you a sense of yeah. the scale and, and how common this is now becoming. People are expecting AI to be built into things. So that adoption is definitely going very quickly. I think there's a couple other maybe more profound things that are happening, which is one, how do you, how far can you take AI? How do you take that broader, deeper? So we're now doing stuff with subrogation around AI. We're looking at basically every aspect of the claims journey and the claims experience of how you can do that. But you're also seeing a real shift in what AI does for you in terms of how you think about just the paradigm of what it means to be a claims organization. So I think what you're seeing is historically, a lot of AI was focused on automation of very discrete, call it frontline, low-level tasks, right? So can can I automate this very discrete, specific thing? And I'll say this as a guy who's, who's career strategy. I think you're starting, starting to see AI move into strategy. It's, it's starting to actually think, and that's the real future. I think that's the next evolution here where AI is helping you to inform how do you run your claims organization? How do you actually manage the ecosystem and, and this volume of claims as opposed to being applied just to these discrete uh, things? And I think you're also seeing a world where just the, the nature of how a claims organization works, I think, is going to go through a big, a big shift. I think one of the things I've, I've reflected on is, so I've been here almost nine years. I work with a lot of insurance executives over those nine years. And the thing that's always struck me is when you talk to a claims executive about their organization, you get them really talking about it. The mental model that seems to be in their head is almost like a giant package sorting facility with huge conveyor belts and chutes. It's this massive heavyweight, right? I see you guys laughing. We work with the same people. Yeah. (laughs) Even the the vernacular, it's, you know, routing, hot routing, tracking, fast tracking, right tracking. It it imagines this sort of chutes and pulleys and conveyor belts. And, And the thing that is interesting about that is that kind of industrial system works really well when you have an incredibly homogenous, consistent, high volume process, right? It's built for scale, but but not but scale that's not going to change. And now you're seeing just so much change and that system literally just as a paradigm doesn't work, right? So you guys remember the the I Love Lucy episode where the they're trying to put the chocolates on the conveyor belt and and it starts going much faster and they can't keep up, right? So they're, they're pushing chocolates off the conveyor belt, they're stuffing their mouth, they're doing all these things. When you think about massive labor shortages, uh, massive inflation, um, the extreme weather events that we're seeing, all these things have the effect of speeding that conveyor belt up. And so you, you 
literally cannot use that model anymore. You, you, that model will not scale. You can't just run it faster because there's so many differences. It's unaffordable. It's unaffordable. It's it's unaffordable and it, it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't work when the people that you would ordinarily have sent those packages to at these different shoots right. quit and you can't replace them. Right? Right. And right. and you're trying to bring in, you know, new, new sources of information and things. So, so I think there needs to be a very fundamental shift in that, that paradigm. And one of the things that's interesting, if you follow the kind of package sorting metaphor a little bit, when you look at the most progressive uh, in innovative companies in literally that space, you look at what Amazon does with Kiva systems. You look at when you see these, these Chinese package sorting facilities, when you go in them, if you look inside, it's not huge arrays of shoots and conveyor belts. It's actually individual little Roomba looking robots. It's totally autonomous modular workers that are in these robots that basically self-assemble and move around the packages independently. And so what that means is you don't have so much, um, you've got a lot more fungibility in terms of those resources. So you want to scale, you just you just roll some more robots out and it, it self-assembles. You don't have to program and heavyweight how this exact package flow is going to go. It just figures it out as it, as it goes. And you've got that through an, a software-based orchestration and that's that's a fundamentally different model that almost no insurance companies that I talk to think that way. They're they're still trying to figure out how do I optimize the thing that I had because right. there's a fear. Well, I don't want to I don't want to rip all that out. I don't want to change all that. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I was saying is that the conversation to me is more. Well, you don't want to just lift everything and move to something else. But how do you actually evolve that system in a way that is going to mean that you can be a, a winner of tomorrow and you can be somebody that keeps up with all that change. So are you helping them do that? Are you, yeah. are you giving them an evolution pathway? Yeah. I mean, th think about what we do on the DRP side, right? So we have 28,000 body shops in the CCC cloud. And so if you are an insurance company and you want to add, you, let's say you're going to grow in, in, you know, Missouri or some state and you want to add 50, hundred, 200 body shops to your network. You just do it, right? You don't you don't spend six months to a year planning it and figuring it out and, right, right. and rewiring and reprogramming. They're we, they're already on the cloud. We we you know you talked to us about it and we'll make a change in the in the system and within a few days you're you're up and running and that infrastructure already works. And I think that's why when we talk about the AI adoption, that's why it's actually worked. You can't do 14 million claims if you're not able to rely on the existing infrastructure integrations platform that people have already been using. And that's why sometimes what you think about the, that's where the innovation sits on the shelf and doesn't actually get into production. When it's disconnected from these platforms that you're already using and that have been built to extend that way, you're not able to get the full value for it. Yeah. And that DRP or direct repair, excuse me, from, from, my experience is fascinating because it kind of couples with your staffing shortage and the experience shortage that the carriers are facing. So you have, a, again, matching technology, the five-year trend, short staff, Missouri. We'll use Missouri, great state. Um, I need to add some DRPs. Um, my, my staff is telling me where. My intelligence from your platform is telling me where. And my agents are telling me a different where. And then I have a person 
who's telling, I have all this information from a claims leader perspective, those, those executives you're talking to, that decision I'm making has a far greater impact. It can be done quicker, but I have to also match that to the financial needs and the customer service needs of my, of my company. So um, that tech piece is so vital and really, to me, is fascinating because a few years ago, let's call it over two years, um, that decision was much more on the ground. I need a DRP here. Purely done from experience of the past five years, not the future. So we don't know what the growth trends are of cities or counties. We don't know any of that. We just know I've always needed one. So from your uh, platform and from your experience, Mark, going forward, how further, I mean, to me, that's an AI perfect play, correct? Of just let that be taken over solely by the single robot moving around the factory as opposed to the assembly line. Yeah, I think you're I think you're always going to want to have a good linkage between the human and AI. We yeah. we believe very firmly be, better together, but I think exactly as you're describing, that's that's what I meant by AI moving into strategy. So yeah. thinking about what is the next best action, what should I be doing in terms of managing that system? I think you're going to see exactly as you're describing in all aspects of not just this industry, but every industry, you're going to see more AI being used to help inform those decisions as, as people go forward. I think the other piece to not lose sight of is back to that human side. The technology is great, but you have to have an infrastructure, a people infrastructure to make sure yeah. exactly as you described that the change management can happen. So we have a whole account management consulting infrastructure to help customers make those transitions. And it's why we have a phenomenal customer retention rate. And it's why we have a really great net promoter score. We have a net promoter score of 80 as a company. Wow. And, and that's because wow. the technology is important. But if you don't use the technology the right way, you don't, you don't help people think about, well, what is that next thing? Then you're not getting full value for, the, for what, you're, what you're buying in the software. Absolutely. Let's talk about estimate straight through processing. Yeah. I mean, that's the holy grail. Yes. <laughs> Share with us where, where, where we're at there. Yeah. So we, we think in general, straight through processing as a concept can really be applied across the entire, the entire life of a claim. And Rob, exactly to your point, one of the most important decisions, one of the most important steps in that for an auto claim is what is the value of this estimate? What's it going to cost me to repair this vehicle? And so we, we've really focused on that in a big way for many years. And we've had different iterations of our AI over time to get to estimate STP. And we're now at a position where we have 15 insurers using that product. Collectively, wow. those insurers represent 50%, give or take, of all the direct written premiums in America. And they're at different stages of rolling it out. Um, some insurers are, are you know, say that they want, to, uh, they want to test in a few states, they want to focus on certain types of claims. Some insurers have been much more uh, ambitious in terms of how they can you know, move forward faster and, and those things. Uh, and so we're seeing great results from that. Uh, we are processing claims that are truly going uh, straight through uh, after within, within minutes um, of, of being you know, generated on the AI. And it's interesting, the AI actually, in some cases, we found that uh, humans want to make sure the AI is thinking 
And so sometimes we we sort of slow it down in terms of when the response actually goes to the to the consumer, just to make sure that people feel like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it, right? Smart, it's it's very true. Smart. Very and, smart. Um, so it, it's it's really amazing just what the team's been able to do, and it's it goes down to it's it's a it's a full line level estimate. It is to you know every repair proceed you know part labor hour uh, everything you can imagine going on that estimate. And when you take that estimate as a consumer, you get that car repaired, you now have a feedback loop also where that you're now part, you're still in that CCC network where I go to that body shop and, you know, they want to make changes or whatever it is that can all be seamless and you can help to provide that digital experience. Is this where you're taking customers when they come to you? I, I assume you're hearing a lot these days, help me return to profitability on the auto side. Are, are they coming to you with that problem and, and asking you to be part of the solution? Yeah. And I'm I mean, not talking about from yeah. your fees. I'm talking about from your product. Yeah. Right. I mean, as you guys know better than anybody, the, uh, the claims executive really is focusing on three things, right? They're focused on accuracy, on indemnity. They're focusing on LA and they're focusing on that customer set. And I think they're asking us to help on all of those. I think what's nice about What's, what's really unique about this technology is it's one of the few technologies that actually impacts all three of those things, right? Because what, a, what does a customer want? They want, to get, they want to get their car, they want to get back on the road quickly and accurately and efficiently. What does an insurance company want in terms of making sure that they have that efficient internal operation and that they're, they're getting to accurate outcomes? So it's something that is able to help with all, all three of those. And no question, we, we have a really critical role to play in helping the insurance industry make sure that they are operating as efficiently and accurately as they as they can and innovating in ways to deal with these macro pressures that are really responsible for a lot of stuff that, that you're talking about, right? When you think about, just look at what's happened on repair cycle times. I mean, it's, it's weeks now. There, yes, we, there are people yeah. that have to wait months to maybe get their right. car into a shop. Frankly, that's a systemic challenge in labor at the repair facility side that we have to figure out as an industry, how do we get more people into the industry, you know, younger workers and things. But it also means how to use intelligent tools to help insurance companies manage those things, uh, manage having better visibility over their, over their procedures. Make sure that you're getting the recoveries you're supposed to be getting on subrogation. Uh, so, so definitely, we've we've done those. We've always that's always been a part of what we do is making sure insurance uh, companies can can optimize those three things. Uh, and certainly, I think the the desire to use technology to do this has only increased. Yeah, now that's that straight through processing. I I don't want to say inevitable, but I think it's inevitably where we're headed as an industry across product lines. So not just auto, but focused on auto today. It has to be because. You hit on some of those macro trends, so whether it's inflation or other economic pressures in a market, I'm not even going on a national scale. The beauty of it, a straight through processing is it can be flexible enough to adapt without losing that human touch. Because to your point on customer touch and customer sat for a claims leader or from an industry standpoint, which is you know a focal point for all of us, there are certain customers that want a certain way for their claim to be handled. That, that doesn't prevent straight through processing from helping them. There's flexibility with it, and that's the beauty of it, I think, for you and and your system. But the challenge is, I, I back to a question Robert asked earlier, um, is that part of that folks adopting it wholesale or just I want to try it in a state and 
it harkens me back to when you mentioned uh, people want to make sure AI is being, you know, the right AI question is the old days of uploading estimates, you know, people would track it on a sheet of paper. It didn't count it right. So there's that hesitancy about tech. And this is a different step for tech, right? It's a big leap. So it's fascinating. What challenges are you facing with the rollout of that? Yeah, I think you hit it something very profound. I, I've thought for a while now that just the term straight through processing feels very inadequate because it it connotes a a coldness if you if you talk mm-hmm. about to from a consumer perspective. And if you think about insurance as a business, I mean, it, it is the empathy business. I mean, it is, it is by definition, you've had a really significant, in many cases, traumatic experience in your life. And yep. this is the company that is going to be there to help you through that really difficult moment and get your life back on track. And so one of the things that has really struck me, we, I was talking with a, one of our large customers, their chief claims officer, he, he said, I know I have to go digital, but I don't want to go backwards on empathy and customer experience. And I'm right. not sure how. And I think that's actually kind of the root issue is I think we almost even need a different vernacular for how we think about straight through processing and intelligent automation and these types of things, because what you should not have to do is you should not have to make a trade-off for going to digital, going to these better innovative technologies. You shouldn't have to go backwards on what you built in terms of customer experience, customer satisfaction, the loyalty. And so that's where I think what we try to do is look at it very holistically. You always have to have that consumer experience in mind. So the same way that we have 100 insurers using our AI, we have more than 100 insurers using our mobile tools, our mobile experiences. So you can book a repair appointment through your phone. Um, You can, believe it or not, file total loss paperwork on your phone. You can settle a third-party casualty claim through your phone. Um, So you have to have those things come together but they also can't be disconnected. It, it has to be the AI embedded in those workflows. And frankly, there's going to be cases where it shouldn't be straight through processed. There, there's a real reason for a human interaction to take place with that particular consumer, maybe because that's just how they want to work or because you need to, you need to pause it for a fraud flag or investigation or, or cyber or whatever it might be. So I, I do think that's a big thing. And I don't, I don't think the industry is really grappled with that yet. I think people have just been getting their head around STP, STP, you know, get, get <laughs> automated. But I think we're already, we're already trying to lead to that next piece, which is how do you actually have STP, but also with, with empathy and with that, that human side not lost. You're talking about a topic here now that, that is very interesting to me. And that is, is that you work in an industry, your customer industry is traditionally slow to change, adverse to risk uh, by its nature. And you guys are coming at it now fast and hard, which I I know from my own work, Matt does from his, that the knee-jerk reaction is, whoa, 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 slow down, right? How do you deal with that? Or is it like you get your foot in the door, CCC gets its foot in the door, and then penetrate slowly but surely. How do you deal with our industry and its aversion to change and technology and the rapid pace of how it's changing, of how your business is changing? Insurance, clearly it's it's a it's a business of risk. And so there's a potential for 
people to think, well, can I move this quick and those types of things. But I actually think it's more, it's a more practical challenge that the insurance industry faces in terms of going to innovation. I will say, I mean, and we talk with a lot of, a lot of insurers at, at very high levels, top to bottom, this industry wants to move forward. And we're doing some really, really innovative things with, with a lot of insurers, some of which we've, we've you know, talked about publicly. Um, I think the issue is really more, how do I take what has historically been honestly, fairly inflexible systems. And I don't just mean systems in terms of technology systems. I mean, business systems, operating systems, and how do I lead that into the future? And so what we're actually seeing is, and, and we are seeing a, just a tremendous amount of engagement at, at again, C-level, very senior levels of, of our customers. How do I take what I've already put in place, what I've already optimized for, in some cases, 30 years? We have customers going back 30 years on, on a technology platform that has continued to stay generationally leaps ahead, how do I take that and extend that to go faster and further without having to go to find a bunch of other things? I think what's, what can kind of be demoralizing for insurance companies is you go to a big insurance trade show and you see all these cool technologies and all these cool things. And you think, oh, I, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. And then you go back to your home office and they say, well, that's going to take five years for us to do or whatever, right? And so what we want to actually flip that is, no, don't make that. That's not the compromise you have to make. If you find something you really want to do, whether it's something that we're doing, something that an ecosystem partner is doing, something maybe your internal team has built, bring it to us and, and we'll actually help you to make that happen. We'll just add that to another node on this really large and rapidly growing ecosystem that works, again, like like DRP. I want everything to work the way, the way shot, insurer shop DRP. And look, there's some, I'm sure there's things we can improve there. But you want that to work that way in terms of the business system. It should be that connected, that, that automated, and, and that, that easy. Yeah, not to hit on that too much, but one thing I did want to quick follow up, those systems and processes that are put in play by the carriers, for the most part, regulation-based or obligation to a local state regulation, federal, perhaps that system and process was built. And what you guys may find is that's kind of out of date and that that process, that regulation is, can be fulfilled a different way. So um, that challenge when you face that is not just obviously from, we have a system, we have a process has been successful. We have to do it. That's a true fear. I can't give that up because I will I will be in violation of my obligation. So is that is that something you're still seeing or is that kind of dying down as time goes on? I mean, clearly you have to always be compliant with regulations. You have, you have to be close to that. Um, I don't think that's ever going to go away, nor, nor should yeah. it. Um, but I think the recognition of the way that people have gotten themselves organized and set up to be able to to run the business in a way that that manages those things I think there. I think there are a lot of ways that you can deliver your responsibilities to yep. your customers, to your regulators, to all the different stakeholders that you have, without having to be beholden to those things in the past. I just think that what's not clear to people, and look, when you talk about big insurance companies, these are these are Fortune fifty, Fortune hundred. These are some of the biggest companies on earth. Forget that it's insurance. It's just it's just hard to think of as you get larger and larger, it becomes harder to make decisions, harder to keep things organized, harder to keep things aligned. And so 
a lot of what we're trying to do is also help to bring those connections together. It's, it's funny. Sometimes we have these innovation meetings and we're bringing together departments that have been in the same building, maybe the same floor for years that never right. talk to each other. Right? Sure. But, but I sure. think that's, that's an important, that's just as important of a, yeah. the change management, Matt, to your point, that change management process. Again, it's, it's sort of the boring, but important part of this. It, it's cool to talk about the AI, the technology and all those things, <laughs> but, but you, it, innovation that sits on a shelf is, does not have value. It, innovation has to be in the field being used. And the only way to do that is with an intelligent connected platform. So speaking of innovation, you know, we're on our podcast, we spend, and in our work, we spend a lot of our time on the property side. We don't often get to, you know, peer over the fence and see where the bigger, the more action is. Um, not that we don't have plenty of action on the property side, but on the insure tech part of property, there's a lot going on. Yeah. A lot. Is it, is it that way on the auto side too? Is it like insure tech is just exploding or is it narrower and more confined? There, well, there's been a lot of investment in InsureTech, I think, across PNC in general. And so there, sure. there's a lot of different companies that are out there doing a lot of different point solution things. I will say, from what I've seen, it, it does feel like no sector is immune to the broader macro stuff that's been going on. And so you are starting to see maybe a little bit less funding, maybe some of those companies trying to pull back a little bit on, on what they've been doing. So there's there's definitely a, a big ecosystem, and and we work with a lot of different companies. You know, telematics is an area that we've we've recently been adding partners. So Zendrive, Safara, uh, those are companies that I would I would put really in that insure tech space. They're they're using mobile crash detection and things, try to figure stuff out. Property, you know, is and you guys know this. I mean, it, it does seem like whenever I go to an insure tech conference, there's a ton of companies doing roof estimation and drones and you know there's a very kind of almost like a, a large niche if that's to use the oxymoron there yeah. um but yeah I, th I think there's a lot of activity across across the board in in all all those lines i want to ask you one question before we go it's a, been a pleasure having you yes um uh and we appreciate we know you're a busy guy um how have you guys won and keep winning. Um, I, I think you. I think you said you're with 18 of the top 20 carriers in the in the country. I mean that's killing wow. it. Absolutely. Uh, and 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 the, and those numbers continue to be equally impressive as you go to the top 50, the top yep. 100, etc. How do you do that? I mean that in large part has to be your work. And you being off in your corner saying, no, 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 we need to go further to the right. <laughs> right. No, 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 this way. H how, do, how have you done it? You know, if you, if you talk to Gitesh, our CEO, he'll always say that at the end of the day, our relationships are built on two things, which is trust and performance. People that you trust that don't mm -hmm. perform, you'll kind of give them a little bit of leeway but you know that only goes so far the right. people you don't trust and aren't performing obviously that that works itself out pretty quickly but we've got to be able to deliver that trust and that performance and part of the trust piece is actually making sure that customers can trust 
that we are the partner that can truly lead them into the future. And we had a, a chief claims officer of a large insurer tell us, which is, I think, a, one of the highest compliments we've gotten uh, that, that I've heard personally, is I hear a lot of companies that have a, have a great innovation, a big vision, but they cannot deliver anything. <laughs> then I have a lot of companies that can deliver a lot of day-to-day -day stuff, but have no vision and cannot take me into the future. And CCC is the one company that can do both. And that's, I think, at the heart of what we deliver. That, that really sums it up is you have to deliver every single day on the ground at the most subatomic level for our customers, whether that's a shop, whether insurer, whoever, because that's their livelihood. That's their business. And, it, and right. those, those micro moments, those micro decisions really, really matter. That's why we spend incredible amounts of time helping insurance companies look at trends of headlamp prices and usage in Omaha for certain types of vehicles. But you, but you can't just do that. You have to be able to show people, especially when you get to more senior levels, that you're on the right track to actually be, again, one of those winners of, winners of tomorrow. And that, that just permeates the culture. I mean, you can't, you can't get to an 80 net promoter score and, and the other stats that we have if that doesn't come just as a deep part of the CCC culture. And that's been the thing that's honestly kept me here for nine years. I mean, it, look, it's a, it's a cool industry. I love the industry. I love our customers. But the CCC team, our associates, everybody that works at CCC, the shared vision and alignment to drive that trust and performance, it, it's, just, it's just the heart of who we are. I've heard great things about your leadership team, you know, leaders in the industry as a whole, not just on the auto side, but in PNC. And, uh, you know, congratulations Absolutely. really on, on, on what you've done. And I'm really disappointed in us. Yes. I mean, we haven't even talked about smart cars. No. <laughs> no. Hey, I'll come back a third time. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> careful what you wish for. <laughs> okay. Michelle's, Michelle's on this call. So, she, <laughs> and she can make that happen. She, we will make it happen. Uh, yeah. Okay. We'll take that as a commitment. And once again, pleasure to have you. Great to see you in person. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. Thank and you guys. It's, it's always good to, always good to talk with you and uh, Matt It's great, great meeting you. Yeah. And great finally you. Rob, great getting to see a, a face uh, along with the voice. So thank you I guys know. so much. It was, it was worth the wait, wasn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Very okay. Much so. Thank you. When we have a guest on for the second time, I'm never sure if we're going to have enough new territory to cover, but first of all, an amazing company. And a yes. guy who has an amazing job there. Yeah. So what ended up really happening was we didn't even cover it all. <laughs> Nor how could we? It was, it was a great conversation, not just to your point from his standpoint of strategy and innovation, but how to tie it all together in the industry. It's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. The th it's really cool. It, it'd be fun to be a fly on the wall in his office, wouldn't it? Absolutely. And to, and to hear the things that he's talking about every day. We're super grateful to Matt, our guest host today, <laughs> a rare occurrence on our podcast, and you did a great job. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, Rob and Lee. We welcome you back with open arms. Well, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of rethinking <laughs> things. I'm 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 going through some strategy and innovation thoughts myself here. <laughs> and uh, thank you, Mark, 
uh, great having you on again and look forward to the next time. And thank all of you listeners for being with us because we wouldn't exist without you. So until next time, we'll say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.